0: Welcome to a late Pro's Tinted Glasses. I'm Katie. And I'm Bailey, the reason we are late. (laughs) I do not think you are the reason that we are late. I think
1: completely unforeseen circumstances that happened to you are the reason that we are late. That's
0: fair. Uh, I'm on the road for work and we got stuck in an accident that had the highway shut down for three and a half hours. Uh, We got home about quarter till 10 p.m. So... Uh, the recording window that Katie and I had planned which admittedly was a little bit close to the deadline anyway seeing as it was too short sure, sure. Uh, did not happen
1: yeah and uh, then Wednesday we just couldn't get enough overlap time before I had to go to trivia and um, so we're recording on Thursday we're gonna edit it as quick as we can we're gonna put it out tomorrow it's gonna be fine trivia is too important to skip it is and we got we got second this week oh. Um yeah, we were first going into the final question, but then we flubbed it a little. That's the worst. It is. It is the worst. But it was still pretty good. Um, we also we sent this to the group chat, but they serve their queso flaming, like when it like is come when it comes to the table, it's flaming, and they brought us our queso, and one of the chips had like caught fire. And the poor waiter, he was like, sorry, one of the chips caught fire. And then he set it down and then just like was like, sorry, and walked away, leaving us with just an open flame on the table. Because usually the queso, they like set it down, it's still on fire, and then it just like puts itself out immediately. But when a chip is burning, chip's just going to keep burning. Um,
0: I do want to mention (laughs) that they sent this to the group without context. And so it sounded like the waiter just delivered a plate of flaming chips to the table. There was no (laughs) mention of queso. And I was like, why, how did, <laughs> the series of circumstances that led to this, I have a lot of questions. Which just fair. But
1: yeah, so Lauren had to like blow the fire out like you would blow out candles on a birthday cake. Um, Welcome was... back to the stage, And then there Lauren. was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of smoke. It was really interesting, um, interesting experience.
0: So anyway, uh, we are <laughs> talking about thrilling events, your table almost catching fire. Mm-hmm. We you you being stuck in a traffic accident? Yeah, we're um, gonna talk about some thrillers today. And because mm-hmm. this is a hotel recording, you know what I had to do. <gasps> you are supposed to warn me. I'm gonna be right back. Oh wait. I'm not
1: letting you drink alone.
0: Uh, for context, because no one else can see this video, I said, "You know what? We have I have to do." And I held a beer onto the camera that I'd been hiding just off screen. So now Katie is running to get one as well. Okay. Okay. Here
1: we go. Hop brow.
0: Ooh, hot brow.
1: You don't, you don't get a fancy click on my side
0: because... That's okay. Mine is uh, um, Static Flow, a a limited release hazy IPA from Jackie O's. We have our beers. We have our thrillers. Uh, let's go. All right. Yeah, thrillers. So
1: it's a, it's a genre of lots of... It's a lot of breadth in the genre. Um, there's a lot of crossover with mysteries. Like, not all mysteries are thrillers. I think I would say probably all thrillers are, are mysteries in Artificial some form. Artificial mysteries sometimes, as in, like, I, I don't yeah, know. You, you
0: have to figure out... Like, maybe out- a
1: mystery of the protagonist's own making. I did read yes. one recently called um Mrs. March. It's I think it's the one that I... I messaged the group about how I had no idea what time period it was taking place in because it seemed very, like, 1950s, but then there was, like, a scene where an audiobook was playing in the bathroom of a restaurant or something, and there were just, like,
0: several things where, it was like, when is this? this is really but anyway. anachronous time references.
1: Yeah, totally. But it was funny because, um like... There really wasn't a mystery. It was just like the protagonist slowly
0: going insane. But it felt like a mystery to the protagonist. I'm sure, absolutely. So and, yeah. and
1: there were elements where it's like, is this a mystery? Like, is are these things that she's like basically hallucinating really happening or not?
0: Yeah, that feels like. I guess that's what I mean when it's not, when not all thrillers are mysteries, but like as a general rule, you can say they're trying to figure something out. For sure. For sure. We have never really discussed thrillers on this podcast um, in depth. We have touched on them a lot in what are we currently Mm -hmm. reading, in wrap-ups, in book of the year stuff. Uh, But we have not gone into any specific thrillers particularly, nor have we done sort of a broad overview of thrillers. And I want to say from like a fandom perspective, but I don't really feel like there's a thriller fandom. There is kind of like a... It is a genre that inspires strong feelings, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I I think that that's true. I would say that I, like, thrillers are what got me back into reading. Like, probably, like, four or five years ago at this point, I went through a long um, period of time, like, in college a little bit, and then mostly post-college, where I just, like, I just didn't feel like I had time to read, or I didn't feel like I had the focus. And really, thrillers are what got me kind of hooked back in. I feel like the first two that I really, really enjoyed that I, that I read were, um, Megan Miranda's All the Missing Girls and, uh, The Last Time I Lied by Riley Sager. And yes. those two authors kind of remain to my, like, perennial, like, I'm always going to pick up the next thing that they write, which we'll, we'll touch on them specifically a little bit more later. But f- again, four or five years ago, I picked up some thrillers and then I just started reading thrillers, like, kind of an unhealthy amount like it was pretty much all i read for maybe a year and a half two years and uh i really enjoyed them but it did get to a point eventually where i was like i can predict what's gonna happen here very easily
0: yeah that i remember when you went through that phase of like oh i i fucking know what's gonna happen in all of these books Mm -hmm. right away there
1: i think there probably were a couple more but there are two like, examples of times when Nicole and I were reading a thriller at the same time and she was a little ahead of me and I texted her my, like, guess for what was happening and she was like, how the fuck did you know that?
0: (laughs) And I was right both times. Well, also, I, like, sometimes don't... I don't realize until I get, like, right on the cusp of the reveal that, like, I actually have noticed it the entire fucking time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. which I definitely can't do. But then there's also sometimes where like, I'm just like cruising, listening to one, and it, it hits me. And I'm like, dude, I have not been paying that much attention to catch the clues that I need.
1: hmm Yeah, and I think that there's... Honestly, I kind of like reading thrillers where I'm not necessarily trying to guess the twist. Like, I think it's fun to just like kind of let your brain be taken on a roller coaster ride. And I think that that is sort of one of the main like, benefits that thrillers have. Like, they're just... They've got a very high entertainment value. Um, unless, of course, they're all you read, and you read hundreds of them, and then you kind of just kind of burn yourself out.
0: But... You know, it's very trite. The variety is the spice of life. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: cliches are cliches for a reason. I think you're right, so...
0: Yeah, I mean, I can see... I would definitely burn myself out on them, but I also... Tend towards thrillers when I, like, am not sure – I'm not in the mood for a lot of other things. And also, I like to listen to thrillers. They're, like, my favorite genre for audiobooks because they often have a very conversational prose tone. And it's really easy for me to listen to, especially as someone who just puts in fucking hours of podcasts every week. (laughs) Like (laughs) – um, at this point, my Spotify is mainly podcast, and I keep trying to switch it back, and I'm, like, working, and I'm like, nah, I gotta listen to podcasts again. <laughs> uh, but my, my history with thrillers uh, is much shorter, less varied, and it's literally because of Katie. She was <laughs> like, you should read this thriller. I think I'd read an occasional, like, detective novel prior to this. I'm, I cannot, for the life of me, remember this, like, detective series that I read I four or five of, but you know, it's a mass market paperback detective series. There are probably 10, 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are sort of thrillers because you're always like chasing the bad guy aspect. Mm-hmm. And there's through lines of romance, usually stuff like that. But I'd never read like a true thriller until Katie was like, you have to read this Riley Sager book.
1: <laughs> if it's fitting that Riley Sager is the one that hooked you. I really, yeah. I love a lot of his books.
0: And then from there, I just cruised through a lot of other thriller. Novels. I even got one from Book of the Month as my book one time. I got Reckless Girls, which mm-hmm. coincidentally was probably my least favorite thriller. <laughs> um, Oops. Yeah. I, okay, the setting was really fun. I was talking to our friend Kelly about this the other day because she just finished listening to it. The setting is really fun and unique, but like the thriller aspect didn't work. It just, it fell really flat to me and. Um, shout out to Kelly who said the sex scenes were great though. And I cannot disagree. (laughs) Just wanted more of a thriller. Sure. Sure. So, uh, we current, both of us just currently ran through a big rash of thrillers again.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did. I started to pick back up on them a little bit. And I, like, I don't want to say I ever really put them down. I pulled up my book spreadsheet from last year, which I have not been quite as, crazy about keeping my stats this year and I've also read way fewer books um so I don't have this year's book stats but last year um I read 57 mystery slash thriller books um it was my second most read genre behind fantasy I
0: uh I suspect that I last filled a book into my spreadsheet on March 4th (laughs)
1: <laughs> i like i really gave up on this year's probably around the same time if not earlier uh, I yeah been, january yeah. I, I put in a bunch of books in january and then gave up but i have been logging them on storygraph at least yeah
0: i have been logging them through goodreads um and i my spreadsheet currently shows eight books read this year and goodreads says i've read at least 59 i think which I, i'm very behind on my goal but it's fine can... hey
1: you're ahead of me I've read I've read 38 this year I really just dialed it down because I was just not I was not reading at the same pace
0: uh, yeah well I, forgive me for saying this but last year was a bit manic
1: yeah last year was insane it was insane I was also working a job where I like didn't have to use my brain really and so I could just listen to audiobooks 40 hours a week um, and now I, I work in a job where I actually have to think and I can listen to almost no hours
0: of audiobooks per week at work mm-hmm. So. I read 19 thrillers last year. I actually think I'm probably pretty close to that this year already, just given yeah. the sheer number of audiobooks I've consumed. Um, and the fact that the Megan Miranda books are uh, often readily available at my library because it's been so long <laughs> since they've been published. So. so excited for that. Yeah. I'm really excited to hear what you think about All the Missing Girls. I, that one had a wait, which is probably because it's her, her best book. I, am, I just got um, mm-hmm. The Last House Guest.
1: Ooh, that one I really liked. Um, my other favorite from her is definitely um, The Perfect Stranger.
0: Okay. Uh, speaking of Megan Miranda, mm-hmm. uh, we just read The Last to Vanish, both of us. Because yeah. Because it just came we out. We did. Right?
1: We did. Yeah, it came out this this month or end of last month. I don't know who can keep up with that kind of Why stuff. Why would we ever reference but... something
0: we want to mention on the <laughs> podcast? I mean, what no. <laughs> background info, who's heard of
1: not us not pros not the pros tinted girlies um but it, it was released this summer for sure and i like i said i really liked like her her run of three around it was like i think it was all the missing girls uh the perfect stranger and the last house guest i really liked all three of those and then she's released a couple in the interim that i just was not as big a fan of um like such a quiet place and uh I don't know there was another one I can't think about the top of my head but uh they're like they were fine they were totally serviceable thrillers but they just didn't hook me the same way that her earlier books did and I I say earlier I think she had had released a lot more before she kind of took off I'm just saying early in in relation to my experience with her um and she's also wrote a bunch of like kind of like YA-ish thrillers that Mm. I've read several of and that were like fun, but, you know, YA thrillers and and adult thrillers are just kind of, you know, different, different flavors of book, so.
0: Yeah, I think the only one that's ever managed to YA-wise catch my, and I'm not even sure it's fully YA, was uh, The Girls I've Been Before, or the,
1: the, yeah, The Girls I've Been.
0: Yeah, The Girls I've Been, Yeah.
1: That one's really good. I have a couple of other YA thrillers that I can recommend later that I think you might like that I really enjoyed. But back to Megan Miranda, Um, when I read The Last to Vanish, I like I really I got that feeling that I had the first time I was reading her where it was it just like it gripped me. Um, The story was really compelling the twists were like good and not that predictable like they were like you could pick up hints and they all made sense when they were revealed but it wasn't like i couldn't like see it from a mile away you know i i didn't already have the puzzle put together in my head and i really really enjoyed it i
0: think i only got close once like my guess
1: yeah you well you, you i feel like you had like half like a third to half of it
0: yeah so there, get, it was just like a much bigger picture i have failed the spoiler warning we have finally we made it we had a good like three <laughs> run, three episode run of spoiler warnings we are gonna Dang do it. some spoilers so if you have not read these books turn us off i guess and <laughs> um, anyway um i i guessed it was um that i can't even remember her name now oh my god
1: her, the aunt, quote-unquote.
0: Yeah. The lady who runs the C-
1: Cecilia? That doesn't sound right.
0: No, it doesn't.
1: Celeste. Celeste. Okay. Celeste. Okay. I, was, I was pretty close with Cecilia. Yeah. I'm going to give myself that one.
0: I will. Um, I guessed Cecilia was Celeste. <laughs> Celeste was involved. Um, It was, like, halfway through the book, and I, I messaged Katie, and I was like, do you want to hear my, like, Hair-brained, no evidence, suspicion. Halfway through this book, which of course I always do, and I was like, "Celeste is involved. It's Celeste." And turns out, like, she was part of this bigger picture. I wouldn't say that she was like involved, involved, but she was. She played a huge role in how some of this went down, and then also like how it continued to not be a thing.
1: Yeah, like she was not the bad guy, but she was involved in the larger. Badness. The happened. larger
0: badness and the cover-up over what created it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I I really loved it. I just really clicked with like the setting, the voice of um the main character, Abby. Um, I did not like that the narrator kept saying Appalachia. Appalachia. Yeah.
1: That was one of the first things that I messaged Bailey about. I was like, they're I'm listening to this audiobook and they're pronouncing Appalachia wrong. And and in case you're not familiar with it, and of course, we're not native Appalachians, so if you are, and feel free to correct us, but I've always been taught that it's pronounced like, I'm throwing an apple at you. As a fairly
0: Appalachian-adjacent person, (laughs) it's Appalachia. (laughs) So it was like grinding on me, the whole novel, because she just keeps mentioning it. And there were a few things, I think I said one or two to you, where I was like, she keeps talking about the A.T., but, like, these are such petty things. I bet her editor had to do with it. Like, this whole entire novel, they're, like, right next to the A.T., and they see through hikers and never once does she, like, just call it the A.T., which is something you would do. You would not say the Appalachian Trail every single time you're referencing the Appalachian Trail, mm-hmm. generally. And you certainly wouldn't say the Appalachian Trail. Right. And then there was one passage where she, like, described how they only use swatches of white paint on trees to mark the trail those are called blazes like those are trail blazes and that's a really common way of marking trails and so to like go through this whole passage describing it and never once call it a blaze I was like what it feels like she did, a, like,
1: Megan Miranda did a lot of really good research to make it feel authentic, but she just, like, ultimately is not, like, an outdoorsy hiker person. And so she, like, learned about blazes, but, like, didn't, didn't, like, immerse herself in it to, like, understand, like, what, a, like, that it's a blaze.
0: Or maybe just assumed that also, like, like, she originally didn't know what a blaze was, that her readers generally wouldn't know what, like, a blaze was.
1: Well, but I think even in that case, I think she would have, like, described it as, like, a patch of white paint or whatever and then be like, and that's called a blaze.
0: hmm I think that's what got me is that it never, like, said... It described it, but it was never like, oh, those are known as blazes, which... You, like, I am a pretty outdoorsy person. I've hiked a section of the ATE. Very small section. Um, but, like, even I know from, like, base-level research what a, a blaze is. And so people who are, like... It would be that close to the trail i assume would be a lot more casual with references like that but i don't know what do i know i've never lived in a trail town Hmm.
1: yeah i i am not outdoorsy so i will defer to you on all outdoorsy things i just i do happen to know how appalachia is pronounced and that really bothered me <laughs>
0: are you okay <laughs> <laughs> that rude bailey joke they went the beer went down the wrong pipe yeah um other than that though I again I like really liked the book I the main character was great the novel really captured like the frenetic energy that she was running around with at the end like trying to figure this out um and I actually didn't know who was ultimately like there were there were like two bad guys in this story and I didn't know who the second one was I had no fucking idea because she did such a good job of hiding him in plain sight
1: yeah, I thought it was really funny when, because when we were talking about it, I told you how, like, right, like, a little bit before the reveal, like, so close to the reveal that I don't feel like I get credit for it. But he was around and I was like, oh, no, like, it's a bad sign that he is still here while all of this is happening. That's how I felt, um, too. Yeah, it was well, like- then you responded, you were like, yeah, I had, like, had not even, like, bothered to notice him the whole book until, like, right. bam. Which is good, which was yeah. a well
0: done twist. Exactly. I hadn't noticed him until, yeah, it was that, like, final scene where it's it's about to be revealed. I was like, this is Hinky. This is not right. <laughs> but I, uh, leading into that, I had no idea because he was there. But the character, like, never interacts with him in a meaningful way mm-hmm. such that you would have any cause of suspicion. And I loved that. I like being surprised. You're right. If, if I ever get to the point where I'm, like, guessing thrillers, I'm over it.
1: Yeah, you're going to have Although, to put them down for a while.
0: I felt that way about the Paris apartment, so... But I think that one was just not good. Yeah,
1: I didn't read that one. That one's Lucy Foley, right? I just yeah. don't... I don't like Lucy Foley very much. So I just saw a TikTok about Lucy Foley, specifically about, I think, the, um, the hunting party and the guest list, which I... Definitely have read The Guest List. I think I've read The Hunting Party, but honestly, I can't even remember because I feel like they're the same book, Um, which was the TikTok's point. It was like, first of all, these are basically the same book. And second of all, like, if you're gonna write a book full of, like, characters that everybody's gonna hate, like, we don't care who the bad guy
0: is at the end, you know, like, they just are all terrible Yes, and so I I think that's actually the most we've ever talked about thrillers on this show, is like when we went on, you went on a rant about Lucy Foley, and I said, like, I keep trying her books, and I keep not liking them, and I need to give up. And the Paris apartment was the one that finally did it. But with Megan Miranda so far, I have not been able to guess pretty much anything, although I'm only halfway through my second book of hers, so I I don't know. I'm
1: really... I'm really excited for you to read All the Missing Girls, and I won't go too in detail because I obviously don't want to spoil anything, but for those of you that are listening that have not read any Megan Miranda or thrillers, um, uh, All the Missing Girls is told, like, reverse chronologically. Um, So, like, it starts with, like, 18 days after the the vanishing or or the murder or something I can't quite remember, um and like each subsequent chapter is like you get closer to the event, um but you still don't know exactly what happened exactly who did it uh there's still just it's just like so much tension like the characters know but you don't know and that like I think that's a very hard line to walk with making it interesting but it's just it was so fascinating and so full of tension. I'll probably honestly reread it whenever you get it from the library.
0: It's actually, I just looked again and it's available now, but I'm only 16% into The Last house guest, so I'm like hesitant to get it in case I run out of time, but mm-hmm. I'm going to do well, it. Well, as soon as you pick it up, let me know. Yeah. The next most recent book we read is by an author who we are not yet sick of, despite having read pretty much his entire library. Mm-hmm. It's Riley Sager.
1: Yep. Uh my other my other perennial I'll pick up anything he's written. And and similar to Megan Miranda, I like really really liked his earlier works and I feel like there's been a little bit of a lull recently. Um, and I, I don't know if this this most recent one was as much of a return to form as the Megan Miranda one. I think it's better than his previous one. But yeah, uh, his most recent book is The House Across the Lake.
0: Which is what we just read. And uh, Katie's basically saying Survive the Night was uh, not one we liked. Neither of us particularly liked Survive the Night.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I, I, the format, I didn't enjoy the screenplay for, screenplay format at all.
1: Yeah, um, like, there's, there's unreliable protagonists and unreliable narrators, and then there's ones that are just, like, like, when it goes too far, it's, like, not even really fun to read. You're just, like, is this person having a psychotic break?
0: It felt just so try-hard. I don't know. I, I didn't like the format. I didn't find the quote-unquote mystery compelling whatsoever. Mm Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, it just, it wasn't good. But The House Across the Lake definitely did some redemption for me. It felt, as you said, it wasn't my favorite. It definitely didn't recapture, like, lock every door or anything like that. But I still really liked it.
1: Yeah, I think it was good. I think, spoiler alert, obviously... I think it was interesting that, um, he, he did actually introduce a supernatural element to the, to the story, which is interesting. It's something he like almost played around with, again, spoiler for, um, Home After Dark, but he kind of almost played around with this, adding a supernatural element in Home Before Dark, but then ended up, um, being able to explain it non-supernaturally, um, and then I think it's interesting that he like just like wholesale kind of went for it on this one. And yeah. I think that it was good in that it made it less predictable because I kept waiting for, oh like, how are they gonna prove that this supernatural thing is not real?
0: Right. And they that's, just didn't. That's the twist that I wanted was like how who is coming back to play in this and how is it gonna, gonna work? So The House Across the Lake is about like a tiny northeastern uh vermont okay i had to be sure i almost said new hampshire um vermont lake house where there's like four four houses on this lake and you know the main character she's like sort of exiled to her family's lake house because she is a an alcoholic actress whose husband just passed away and she was getting bad press and so her her very famous actress mother was like get out of here. We don't need the public to see you. And then she just starts to see some weird shit happen with her. Also very famous and rich neighbors. And turns out, yeah, it was supernatural, which I did not expect. I, I fully expected it to be like, I don't know who I expected it to be because he set it up so well that I was convinced it was too obvious for it to be the husband Mm -hmm. or the like golden retriever neighbor boy the
1: like suspicious hot neighbor who nobody knew the mysterious kind yeah. of hot guy
0: it clearly couldn't be either of them so i was like is it actually just like the kind neighbor who like brings her groceries over the whole time is he just like a horrible person hiding in plain sight no the answer is um when you die in the lake your soul can take possession of others <laughs> spoiler
1: yeah, but also, and then I did like, the, I really liked that, like, final twist that, like, and also it was the husband.
0: <laughs> well, it, was, it was, like, both, yeah. It was, like, there was definitely a supernatural thing, but the husband was very sus. And I also liked that, um, like, the main character was also the bad person for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole time, it's all about how she's, like, mourning her husband who drowned in said lake. Um, and it, really, she killed him because she figured oh. out he was a serial killer.
1: i did really like that i i forgot that until just the second but i did also the story was an
0: onion it had layers it had layers
1: (laughs) i will always take a reference to shrek
0: yeah what is a podcast without at least one shrek reference per 50 episodes
1: (laughs) we're gonna have to make sure that we keep keep that ratio up um, yeah take notes yeah so there were there were parts of of the house across the lake like, that i really liked i thought the supernatural thing was was weird it also felt additionally weird because i don't know maybe it is a, like a, a real superstition that one one that i just don't happen to know but like and it honestly it might be like just a different culture superstition that i wouldn't have any reason to really know but the the whole thing of like the lake eating souls and like keeping them alive and then like spitting them out into other people was very unfamiliar to me. Um, and I don't know if that's like a good thing or a, or a bad thing in this situation.
0: Yeah. I also, uh, while I enjoyed reading and I couldn't put the book down, like I read through lunch one day because I was like ready to finish it. Actually, you know what? It was when uh, my partner and I were on our canoe trip And it was like raining outside and we were like, oh, are we going to like get up and go and just deal with the rain? And I was like, you know what? I have to finish this thriller. I'm super invested and it's raining anyway. So we might as well just wait till it's not raining. Let me sit here and finish my book. (laughs) Uh, I I was invested the whole way, but I do still like in retrospect also think that the supernatural element feels um, like shoehorned into the end very quickly. We got no hints of this supernatural element. Except for one character mentioning the superstition. And then all of a sudden, like, the entire explanation hinged on being possessed by a dead person's soul.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. It was very weird. Like I said, good things and bad things. I also, I think it's interesting, like, there aren't that many actual similarities between The Last to Vanish* by Megan Miranda and The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. But they feel very similar to me in hindsight, um no Bailey looks I like she's thoughts got on a this. point to make you have a thought on this I think also I'll just say like my my thought I think that the a large part is just that they take place in really like isolated woody areas um and I think that the protagonists feel kind of similarly like desperate and isolated um but I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on it? You seem excited.
0: Very similar about the isolated setting. It is um, a closed-door mystery without being a closed-door yeah. mystery.
1: That is such a good point. That's such a good way to put it.
0: You've got a set of local characters, slightly larger in The Last to Vanish, because they're connected to the town, but still fairly limited in that like everybody knows everybody you could never hide anything around here because all these people know everything and abby in the last vanish feels like she can never quite be in the in group in town and in the house across the lake uh our main character casey is the in group and she's watching the new out group these this rich model that has purchased the house across the lake um, and so, so it has to do with who's in, who's out and being suspicious because you're in the out group and it's a limited cast of characters, which obviously is where thrillers tend to thrive.
1: Yeah, I think that that is, is an extremely good point. And I think that that really encapsulates what I was having trouble um, verbalizing as to why they
0: feel similar in a good way. Um, yeah. And, and again, there's a lot of, um, as you said, which I didn't really account for, desperate energy. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in both casey and abby trying to figure out like what's happening how this is going so i don't know i i they felt very similar as well i liked them both i liked the house across the lake slightly less but i am much happier with it compared to the survive the night so, yeah for there's sure hope for riley um, seger yet i guess
1: yeah, but he, I think he just had a little bit of a dead with surviving But, like, I don't even want to say it was bad. It just, uh, like, it didn't live up to his previous works for me. Um,
0: yeah, and one of the things I want to talk about later, um, which we'll get to in a second, is, like, what is it about thrillers and their prolific authors and things like that? And so I think it'll be interesting to kind of talk about how publishing looks for prolific thriller office uh, officers' authors. <laughs> one of those words how it looks for them versus um, some other genres but we can get to that later because I do have another um, like thriller comparison to make kind of so in House Across the Lake we've got like a little bit of like supernatural not real life element which is not super usual in thrillers um, and then we've got Blake Crouch who manages to wrap thrillers and sci-fi into one yeah uh, we just, we both read Upgrade recently mm-hmm. because yes. we are big Blake Crouch people. I think Dark Matter was one of the first books we talked about being like, we both were like, oh my God, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was a Nicole recommendation. I think that she has loved Blake Crouch for a long time. I think she read his other series, which I haven't gotten into yet, but it's um, something about Pines, Wayward Pines or something like that. Um
0: uh- I know that I read Dark Matter as a part of a book club in in my city and we all it was like the first one we read and it was just the the best one we read too I think but when Nicole suggested it I probably was like oh my god yes
1: yeah, she, she, that might be right. She definitely suggested it to me and that's when I first read it. But Blake Crouch has uh, has become... I feel like this is like my little triumvirate of authors that like I... After I finish their book, I immediately look up like what book they're releasing next year. And then I just like feel hype about it for like an entire year basically um, until they release it. I think Upgrade did come a, a couple years late. But I think, um, you know, Dark Matter obviously is great. Recursion was really good. Um, it was... I like to say it was, like, a little bit too complicated for me. I really need to read it again, but, like, it threw me for a loop, and I, like, I, like, I needed to be, like, writing down and, like, diagramming the plot, because... Uh, recursion um, which threw like, you
0: for a loop? Really? That's what, uh, that's what you're going to go with?
1: <laughs> <laughs> ha ha ha. I'm so funny. But anyway, um, I, I really want to read it again, and maybe I'll take more of it in, but it was just a wild, wild ride.
0: Even reading the physical copy of the book, which I don't know if you read or listened to, even reading the physical copy of the book, it was like, hold on, I need like a whiteboard with tick marks. Like, (laughs) yeah.
1: Um, I did, I did listen to it and I ended up, I remember slowing it down to like 1.2x speed. And like, I typically read, depending on like the book and the genre, I can read anywhere from like 2.8 to like 3.5. I would say like 3 to 3.2 is my, my, my usual um and i I slowed that book way down to try and comprehend what was going on
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i'm a i'm a solid like 1.25 to 1.5 girl uh so thrillers can sometimes get up to 1.5 for me and if i if i choose to listen to sci-fi or fantasy which like let's be fucking honest i'm not going to um it's got to be like one and then i get annoyed that it takes like real time 15 hours to finish the book so i give up
1: yeah. But anyway, back to like Crouch, I would say that for the most part, his books are like not, I'm not sure that I would necessarily call them thrillers, but they are certainly thrilling sci-fi and it, like they, they transcend sci-fi and I think they do dip their toes into thriller. Um, it's a very like, they straddle the line. Um, But I think if you like either genre, you will really like Blake Crouch's book,
0: right? We did debate Books. including Upgrade a little bit because it does have so many sci-fi elements, but there's also very much like a mystery to be solved in Upgrade, much like much like Dark Matter, obviously, um, and Recursion. So I felt that it kind of fit the bill of talking about how he manages to write what is a very complex sci-fi novel and still have us chasing answers and being led around. Just at high fucking speeds, um, in order for our our protagonists to survive.
1: For sure, for sure. Uh, I think I think I'm gonna blow your mind a little bit about a bit now, because um, we haven't actually talked about what I thought about Upgrade. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like it.
0: <gasps> oh my god, you've been keeping this from me, and you let me include I it had. in an episode that you and you didn't oh. even like it. I thought I didn't. I didn't
1: dislike. I did not dislike it. I did not like it as much as I was expecting to. Um, and there's still a lot of interesting discussion to be had around it, I think. But but yeah, I like. I, I don't even quite know how to talk about what I didn't like. I'll, I'll say this. I think it would make a really, really, really good action movie.
0: Okay, I was just about to say it's because I was going to say, I don't know if you put this into <laughs> words, but you didn't like it because it was an action movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to watch it as an action movie. I didn't really love it as a book.
0: I think he could have leaned more into the sci-fi aspect and less into the we're chasing each other with giant bombs through a sunken um, skyscraper in New York City.
1: Ooh, and you know what really kind of solidified for it, it for me? Um, which, spoiler alert for the end of Upgrade was that whole epilogue where he was like, We all just need to be more empathetic, and I'm gonna release an upgrade to dial people's empathy up. Um and it felt it real antithetical preachy. to the rest of his
0: character too.
1: Yeah, it was like the whole thing was he didn't want to upgrade people without their consent, but then he did when he it was his idea. Um and it also just felt it felt really preachy like to the audience. Like we just need to have empathy. And it's not even something I disagree with. Like, I think that it's a correct take. I just did not like how it was packaged.
0: That's fair. It did really hit heavy on the, like, oh, we had overpopulation, so we tried to solve the famine, and we accidentally, like, made the famine worse. Um, So there, there's, like, a lot of even more socio-commentary than I feel like Blake Crouch usually puts in mm-hmm. his other two novels. He's saying, like, if we don't change, we're gonna be fucked up. But also, we have to make sure that we don't change the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if he would leaned more into uh, the protagonist mother's work and how this upgrade came about, it could have been a stronger sci-fi novel.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think it just kind of tried to be too many things. And I think specifically in the way that it was like really sort of an, like an intimate family story between like him and his sister and dealing with the fallout of his mom's stuff and dealing with like leaving his family behind and them thinking he was dead but then it like had this global scale um and i i feel like both both scales suffered from it like i'm sure there's a way to do it well i just like i i didn't love it
0: that's okay. That's your opinion. Yeah. It might be wrong. You can't participate <laughs> in our sign-off today. Um, That's fair. Well, no. not
1: fair, but I will still be participating because I, I am always I know. Right.
0: I know. I'm joking. It's um, okay. But yeah, it, uh, it. I can see that. It, I don't think it's his strongest novel. I really enjoyed it, maybe just from like I have uh, prose tinted glasses for the ah. like genetic editing and the that sort of aspect, the like, mm-hmm. what could the changes enacted from genomic changes, splicing it into like viral means of transmission, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really, really fucking want like hyperloop travel. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I really like that part. <laughs> they like
0: talked about going between Texas and D.C. in like a matter of like an hour. I would cry. I mean, Another I would thing, cry because we're is, moving like, such so a... fast, but.
1: <laughs> this is such a small thing, but like world building wise, he was referring to charge stations because I guess all vehicles are electric or whatever. I my hot take is I think we're still gonna call them gas stations, even when we only use them to fill up electric vehicles. I yes. think that gas station is too um too ingrained a term in our culture. And I think I don't... we're always we're gonna go to gas stations to charge our cars.
0: I don't end a call, I still hang up. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. There are tons and tons of of like anachronistic. Oh gosh, there's a word for them and I just saw a TikTok about it. And I'm not going to remember it. Um but there's basically a word for things that like we still use as like kind of characters of like what they used to be, like things like using a digital picture of a trash can to like represent trash like the the trash bin on a computer or whatever.
0: Uh floppy disk for save. Mhm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I think we will continue to call them gas stations, and that is my completely
0: meaningless hot take. Okay, this is this is the hot take that's on a level with me being mad that Megan Miranda didn't call them blazes, so I respect it. <laughs> good, good. Um, I'm glad that I'm
1: glad that we're on the same level for this yeah, episode. It's fair. I
0: mean, I feel like that's it. that is something with sci-fi that can like take you out. So it goes both ways. Like something with sci-fi can take you in or take you out. Um, mm-hmm. Of. That because there have been some, like, super futuristic novels where characters will use common current cuss words or something, and reviewers will be like, I just can't believe that in the year 3022, we would say shit. (laughs) And I'm like, I think we would. Um, And that doesn't Mm -hmm. bug me, but it can also go the other way, that, yeah, like, he tried to create a term, like, oh, we had to stop at the charge station. Like, no, like, we had to fucking stop at the truck stop, okay? Dude, Mm -hmm. if loves and buckies don't exist in 3022 I don't want to be there I mean I won't be there but I don't want to be
1: (laughs) yeah I don't want to live in a world without Bucky how many times is
0: Bucky's gonna come up in the next couple episodes I hope more um because it's the best a world without Bucky's can't be right (laughs) anyway yeah like I I think that as long as it persists we'll call them gas stations it would it's gonna take a number of generations to change that and this novel Mm -hmm. was not that far in the future
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it, it's the same I mean, I still pick up some things from my parents I refuse To say Warsh But <laughs> That is hyper local your... That is hyper local
1: Yeah, we got a little bit of that In southern Illinois too, there was definitely The Warsh Not everyone said it, but a
0: lot of people did Yeah, and then like there's There's at least one Highway in Cincinnati that has like the name it was and then the name they made it and the name they made it sucks. And I refuse to call it that. So fuck Ronald Reagan.
1: (laughs) Truly fuck Ronald Reagan. John Hinckley Jr. did nothing wrong except for stalking a a girl.
0: (laughs) Back to upgrade. (laughs) With that transition. (laughs) What a tangent. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I didn't pick – I didn't have all those, like, petty little things. It did – especially the, the second half felt really action-y uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, at least there was, like, him having a cute little adventure – cute. She tried to shoot him um, – with his sister <laughs> and, like, trying to live a life outside of it when he was, like, moving from town to town with his fake identity for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, at least that felt – A little more regular. He was still trying to, like, solve these problems, but it wasn't being chased. And then all of a sudden he, like, rejoins forces with the federal government and has, like, a hundred SWAT agents and they're going to storm a building or some shit. Um, But they all Mm -hmm. turn on him. Like, that just felt so, like, I don't watch action movies, so I can't come up with a good example. But you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) fucking, I don't know, like, Tom Cruise or somebody. Fast and the
1: Furious, Mission Impossible. Yeah,
0: Mission Impossible. That's probably the one I was thinking of. So, I don't know. I still really liked it. I, I closed the back cover with a very satisfied snap.
1: That's great. I'm glad that you liked it. Um, I think a lot of people will like it. I genuinely hope that it gets made into a movie, um, which I will enjoy the shit out of.
0: Um, just wasn't, it just didn't do it for me as a book. When you say it like that, this is also like, if you think of all the other, like, the main three Blake Crouch, like sci-fi thriller novels um this is the most imminently like recreatable i think in a movie because For sure. um you don't really need as many like visual effects or explanations um mm-hmm. you can watch him think inject something into him and he his looks don't change but all of a sudden he has cgi powers what if conspiracy theory here ride with me blake crouch just wants a okay. movie deal so he wrote a movie book
1: i would re- i would respect it um, and I think that he did a great job with Upgrade, if that's his goal. It is that's still... That's my goal for Upgrade.
0: It is still really readable, which I think a lot of, like... It can be hard to make a readable movie script.
1: <laughs> hmm I think that action in particular is really hard to make readable. And I do think he did a good job. Um, but it's like action is really hard to put on page because it's so it's so visual it's so like extra sensory because you want to see like the the fighting moves and you want to like hear everything and um i think he did a good job of it um it's just not how i prefer to consume my action content
0: which is give me 40
1: fast and furious movies and i am gonna be there in the front row with popcorn
0: Um, but i'm not gonna
1: read a novelization of fast and furious i
0: have a confession. What? I've never seen a Fast and Furious movie.
1: I'm not surprised by that. Um, I think that you should. Um, The first couple are like fine, but then like around five, like they just start getting really, really ridiculous in a way that I love so much. Like the most recent one, they literally put a car in space. They drove a car to space. I am not exaggerating.
0: Okay. Yeah. I would not be able to make it through that. I just wouldn't be able to it's do it. It's so good, Bailey. It's so good. But I would watch the shit out of Upgrade, and I, my, I <laughs> like my. I'm fully on board with the conspiracy theory that Blake Crouch just wanted a book, a movie deal, so he wrote Upgrade to be a fucking movie deal. And he deal deserves it. It. Would, it would be so easy to make into a movie, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, visually wise. There is some inner monologue sections, but I think you could easily recreate those because he also one of the main things that the character does is he like writes these letters to his family once he has to abandon them. And so I just mm-hmm. think that that would be super easy for them to recreate um, him to writing those letters as and exposition. Letters and the
1: letters be like a, like voiceovers. I think that that would be great. Yeah, and I think that's why like dark matter, I think could make a pretty good movie, but so much of what happens in dark matter is emotional. And I mm-hmm. think that that's a little bit harder to convey um, and then Recursion, again, I'm going to have to reread it. I think it probably
0: would be a good movie. It's just so fucking confusing. So I think Recursion would be like a very serious movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's an action movie sh- on some level, sure, but it is a, it, it's Inception. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, things are happening, there are high stakes, but you have got to pay attention to every fucking detail. And I think that mm-hmm. Upgrade walks the line of emotional and visual without having that super complicated internal storyline. So, uh yeah, I whatever, it's going to be a movie and we'll fucking watch it. We'll give them money. Uh, uh
1: absolutely we will.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen a movie in like a month and a half and that's the longest I've gone in a long time since the pandemic obviously.
1: Yeah. I saw, I went to see Bodies, Bodies, Bodies last week.
0: It what is really the, fun. there was a fucking, it's the Brad Pitt, the bullet train. I want to go see that. I'm oh, sure it's bullet fucking. bullet train was
1: super fun. Okay.
0: I'm sure it's super dumb, but also like, I really want to see it.
1: I Actually, I don't know that I would call it super dumb. I think it's really stylized. Um, and there, are... I really liked it is what I'll say about it.
0: Okay. That's fair.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So kind of closing thoughts. I did, I did title this. What is it about thrillers? TM. That's what I kind of <laughs> wanted to wrap up with. Um, what Do you have any thoughts about, like, what makes thrillers so fucking, like, ugh, prolific's not the word I want to use because I want to use that for the authors. Um, pervasive?
1: Pervasive. Yeah, that's a good term. And I, I do actually have thoughts. I have thoughts, and it kind of connects to my, like, greater theory of why people in like particularly women like true crime um and i think that it's because per- again particularly women particularly cis women um we are like so confronted with all of the bad things that can happen to us like constantly like from a young age we're taught you know carry your keys in your hand so in case anyone comes up to you you can hit them like we are, I we are wear taught to be
0: afraid. Yeah. I wear bone conduction headphones when I run. I don't look anyone in the so, eyes. So yeah, so that you can't ever. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Like you just avoid men you don't know. Like don't travel alone. It's all of this stuff, and I feel like um, true crime is a way for us to kind of confront the things that we're afraid of happening to us in a in an environment that's completely safe, right? Like we cannot right. be hurt by what we're listening to. On true crime podcast or at least not like directly like from the true crime podcast right like those things could happen to us but like listening to it is not it happening to us but we're still kind of getting to experience it um and I think there's a lot more to say about true crime especially I feel like the the conversation around ethics in true crime has ramped up a lot in the last couple of years and I think it's really important um to like make it sure that it's not just like a a kind of crass entertainment industry but But I I think that that is what the draw is of true crime, at least from my perspective. And I think that thrillers share a lot of that um, in terms of like being able to experience violence without experiencing violence um, and kind of confront it in a way that feels safe. Um, And I also think that thrillers are like just enough of a puzzle for the brain that it's kind of also occupying you in that way. Um, and so it's, like, just the right amount of, like,
0: entertainment and fear. Right. And I was going to say, like, in keeping with that, a lot of the books we've talked about on this episode have featured female protagonists who prevail. Mm-hmm. Like, they face this violence and they come out on top. And that's not something yeah. we can ex- we can expect to experience in real life.
1: Yeah, that is such a good point that usually the protagonist wins or or in some way wins even if if not in all ways and i think that is such an important point for you to make
0: yeah there's often like emotional drama or whatever but like mm-hmm. um yeah it's but it's still yeah anyway i i think that's a really good point sorry i uh, i think that's a really good point about how like it creates an environment where we can experience something, we being women um, experience something without actually having to experience it. And it still gives the, the and it, it gives it like a tiny bit of feeling of control over a situation mm-hmm. like that. Like you can read 15 examples of what you could do in a situation like that. And it, it, even if it's not truly preparing you for that situation, it helps you feel like maybe you did get prepared for that situation.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i also I, I said cis women earlier i just want to clarify that i meant in terms of like how we were like brought up from a really young age i think that not as many trans women experience that kind of socialization from a young age because they're presenting as as the opposite sex um but i think that trans women it's important to note that like trans women face way more violence than cis women i don't actually know if there's like i like i don't know the stats on how many trans women really like true crime but i think it's important just to just to note that like they are much more in danger even than, than we are as cis women. And, right. Um, you you we were conveying the socialization
0: of cis yeah. women and, and not the experience for all women right now. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it, 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 so there, there is violence for everyone, but cis women especially are raised to expect it more so. Raised to be afraid of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's a huge role. Yeah. I don't have, we, uh, once again, on our casual podcast, we did not do a deep dive into statistics for the audiences of true crime, which I think are maybe not changing in demographic, but changing in volume. Like you said, the ethics of true crime are really being called into question lately, and mm-hmm. um, there are only so many ways to raise that. Mm-hmm. So it, it is interesting. I know there's been a lot of talk about certain podcasts lately. We can talk about it offline. I don't want to call anyone out on air. Uh, that's not mm-hmm. what I'm here to do. That's not the point of our podcast. <laughs> but no, it has not at been all. interesting to see how how things are changing recently, especially with some of the stuff that's come out with people who are in the true crime community, and and by that I do I do mean Billy Jensen. I will call him out. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be. interesting. Turns out that is what we're here to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Billy Jensen is a public figure, so I, yeah, it, I, and there's reasonable evidence for that like
1: yeah it's been really really upsetting and really sickening to read all of the stuff that's been coming out out about him which if you're not familiar um he's just been like very credibly accused of like harassment in a variety of ways by a variety of women um and uh it's just been it's been really sad to to hear about
0: yeah and it it also it doubles down it, it makes it a little bit worse because and this sounds terrible like i believe these women they are victims. But also, it felt like the podcast he was on was one of the few more even-tempered and respectful to victims podcasts. Mm-hmm. And so to have that taken away, and then find out that the entire time that he was um, harassing and and assaulting women, it it just it's not a good feeling. And so, anyways, I feel comfortable calling Billy Jensen out. I don't need to call other people out, uh, but I think it is interesting to to note that like thrillers are consumed voraciously um by women and that because of that a lot of the authors in thrillers and like those detective novels I mentioned at the top of the episode like these authors just have so many goddamn novels them and romance writers like they just are fucking pumping them out
1: it- yeah it's really um it's interesting to me how they can do that because like there definitely is a formula to thrillers, but like also by nature of thrillers, like you want it to not be predictable because that's what makes a good thriller. And so how do you like formulaically make all of these plots that are still interesting? You know, I'm, I, I respect it a lot.
0: Yeah, it is. It's 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 incredibly creative because they're, with exceptions obviously they tend to all be different enough that they're not predictable and you don't feel like you're reading the same person unless of course you're to read all of them in a row which is what I'm about Mm -hmm. to do with Megan Miranda (laughs) Um, yeah I don't know I just it's really interesting that this genre is the only one where I really like notice prolific authors Um, Brandon Sanderson notwithstanding I don't think that that's a fair comparison for anyone (laughs) And even then, he's writing parts of series and not unique novels every time. Like, obviously, the things that happen in them are unique, but he's not starting world building from scratch for each novel.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a good point that, like, I can't think of any, like, even even in romance, like, there have started to become, it's started to become popular to do, like, interconnected series or, like, kind of spinoff series, like, like the Brown Sisters, trilogy, like, books where... Yeah. They're not really, like, a a series, but they're all interconnected, and it's, like, a a larger cast of characters.
0: Wouldn't that also Um, be, like, the off-campus series by L. Kennedy? Because, like, each one focuses on a different person, but, like, the other characters will pop up.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, it's like the actual like series of like one novel to the next is not really important. like you could read them out of order totally fine. but like you just recognize the larger cast of characters in the larger world. Um, and I can't think of any thrillers that even do that. So like they're really starting from scratch every time
0: yeah. and then exactly. and those the detective novels aren't even doing that because a lot of times you're following the same detective through various cases. So like the basic mm-hmm. world building and like, the detective and their, oh, we definitely shouldn't, but we're going to romantic partner, a staple in the genre. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. they're, they're, like, always there. They're not rebuilding that. And you don't have to read them in order. But you, if you read multiple, you'll start to recognize these themes. And it, it's kind of like watching a – um, what's the word? Um, a syndicated TV show like NCIS or something like that where, like, there's a – a through line over time but you don't need the through line in order to watch individual episodes or seasons because they're both independent and connected yeah I just I don't know I think that's pretty much all I really have to say I think about thrillers is in general about all the things that we've just briefly touched on
1: yeah I think that that is totally fair I like I just really like thrillers I definitely burned out got burned out on them for a while but i like i think as long as they're not the only books i read anymore i think i am still good to read them a lot of the time um i also i did just want to recommend some ya thrillers like in general but also specifically to you bailey um the good girl's guide to murder series is really good it's a trilogy about a high school girl and what's really fun is she like makes a podcast about starting solving the murder um so it is both a thriller and a true crime podcast um but that one's really fun and really um engaging one of my favorite this there may be more mysteries and thrillers but the um the truly devious books by maureen johnson i really love Mm -hmm. um and they've got a fifth one coming out at the end of the year
0: to be fair i did like those Uh, as well
1: mm mm-hmm and then I just read one called The Agathas, um, which is, uh, like, kind of, like, rides the line between mystery and thriller. Um, it's co-written by Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson, and it's about these two girls who both go to high school, and, like, a-, a girl goes missing at their high school, and they're not really friends, but, like, they're the only two people who believe that she's in trouble, um, so they kind of join forces to to solve the crime. Um,
0: Gotcha. Yeah, well, so those
1: are a few that I that I have read recently that I really like.
0: I was silent while you were talking about them because I was tip tapping away, trying to write them down. <laughs> so, good. yeah, I think I especially think if you feel like you are struggling with reading and thrillers are something that you've thought about before, you should pick up one of the the more generally popular ones that gets recommended all the time. I mean, heck, even if a Lucy Foley sounds good to you, go for it. Like a Riley. Yeah, Seger- I mean, if you
1: like. If you like Lucy Foley, that's fine. Um, we disagree, but you're allowed your opinions.
0: Right. Um, I think thrillers are slump busters that deserve way more than that name, but also serve that purpose. Like mm-hmm. they're so good because they're so en- they're written to be fast-paced and engaging. Which sometimes when you're like slumped, you need that. Mm-hmm. So read whatever thriller you want. Um, even if we didn't necessarily like it. But you should take our advice because we are right. And we should say it. Pour yourself a glass of wine. Let's start reading in between the lines. Never know what we might find. Yeah, it could be magic. Oh. Prose
1: Tinted Glasses is hosted by Bailey Utrecht and me, Katie Phillips our logo is by baby Tooth collection and our theme song is by anna boss sorry for the late upload this week but life happens we should be on time in a couple of weeks so see you then